We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Brian, mailbag time, buddy. Let's get it going. We have um, a lot of questions, so let's let's start working through them a little bit here. And uh, this one is from, of course, John A1. John, thank you so much, as always, for your contributions to the mailbag. We really do appreciate it. Said, how many wide receivers will be in the rotation actually get in-game snaps in 2023? I mean, it's hard to go beyond five per game. It's hard to go beyond that. That's why I think special teams needs to be a thing for those guys this year. They need to be on some coverage teams, especially some of the guys that have played defense before, you know, be a part of the return team. It, and and then, you know, hopefully you can have some early season blowouts to get those guys some touches. But it, it's hard to go past five. You can get to six if you're if you're running a lot of 11 personnel. You can get to six. Yeah. But if you're half 11 and half 12, 21, 20, whatever – it's a lot. Hard. Well, twenty actually helps you too because you're in three three receivers. But if you're doing a lot of twelve and twenty one personnel, as with that, it's hard to get six guys really comfortable in into because like part of the thing is Ryan, you've got to get the reps to where you're getting the game work in. You're you're getting up to the game speed and you're getting into the flow of things. And if you're rotating too many guys, then nobody just really gets comfortable and gets kind of rolling. So sure, if you're going to do a lot more eleven personnel this year, then yes, you can you can you can go to six to a degree. And how you'd mainly do it, Ryan, is what I would do is, is I'd have a couple personnel groupings where a couple of those guys who don't play a ton, like, hey, uh, so-and-so, you're our 12 personnel guy, you know, or you're, uh, you're our, when we go 21, you're, you're the guy that we go there, you know, that kind of thing where you can maybe have, you know, Caleb Smith may not be the starter in 11 personnel, but when you go 12 personnel, he's out there into the boundary, you know, and you, you mix it up a little bit. It, to start those things off. I mean, those are different things that you can do to get those guys going. But I mean, it's, it's five is I'm really comfortable with five. I think you can get to six if you do it the right way in my view. And, and I, I think the question's coming because there's so many wide receivers that seem like they can contribute, which is a very interesting conversation, right? right. I mean, you're talking about Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores. Could they crack the rotation? For sure. Could it be a possibility where there's just a little bit too much depth in front of them? It's also possible, you know, like it really is, which is why, 
we're so optimistic about the wide receiver units. You know, for me, Brian, it's like there's a lot of guys that can play and can contribute this year, in my opinion, on that wide receiver group, which is a very different vibe than some past years at Notre Dame and a vibe that we needed to get here. Because, again, man, last spring we're dealing with four scholarship receivers at one point in spring ball, and I think one of them had the red penny on, man. Like, it was tough times at some points there. It, it was, man. It, it's a different universe right now, Ryan. I mean, you had Drew Pine running both of the first team offenses in the blue gold game. Yep. You know, like it's a different universe. It is can, a very different universe. Can I say this before we move on to the next question? Because I just got reminded of it in the chat by Ian. I, I saw that everyone was, was really pumped up about the Notre Dame football team being at the lacrosse game today yeah, as well. Awesome. And apparently it was like a really cool kind of vibe to the game, which was just yeah. really nice to see me. I've literally had somebody that's not a Notre Dame fan tag me on Twitter. It was like, dude, that's so cool that Coach Freeman, the whole team was out there at the lacrosse game, like really yeah. dope type yeah. of thing. So. And he's done a lot. Like he flew down to Greensboro for uh, the ACC tournament, you know, watch yeah. the women's basketball, you know what I mean? He's re- you see a lot of that. You see a lot of that support from other sports more and more and more. You see football players at the women's basketball games all the time. So I I, I love to see that. You know, I, I yes. really do. I really do. It's, no doubt uh, about it. You, you, I mean, like these kids are all kind of going through the same thing in their own way, right? Like they're all going through their their same struggles and and they should be supporting each other, you know? Yep. And to me, that's – I mean, that's just a really cool, really cool thing. That's what, to me, that's what college athletics is supposed to be about. When you look at those athletes, yep. it's supposed to be about that camaraderie where, Hey, you have our back, we have yours. And, you know, the reality is, is the football, the learning football team can, you know, they can, um, they can have a big run. Now, of course it didn't work out for the lacrosse team. They, they, they ended up losing to Virginia today, but you know, it stuff matters. I mean, I mean, I mean, losing to Virginia in the cross is nothing to be like, you know, yeah, well, ashamed about though. <laughs> one coming into the yeah. game. So in yeah. Virginia was number three. I was about but to yeah, say, historically, Virginia is just excellent at lacrosse. Like every single year it feels yeah. like. So, yeah. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So we, 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 got a, we got a super chat down here I want to get to here from Brian Richmond. Brian, thank you so much for the super chat. This question was, when was the last time you have seen this much talent at Notre Dame considering all positions and depth? Oh, 2015, easily. Yeah. I mean, look, 2015 is still the more talented team as of right now because that team had more proven guys. I mean, you knew what Will Fuller could do. He's coming off a thousand yard season. You knew Jalen Smith was a freaking dude. He had just done it the year before. Like you knew that 2015 team had talent. A lot of the guys that got injured in 2014 were back. You know, Drew Tranquil was back. Uh, Sheldon Day was back. You know, Jerron Jones was healthy again in spring, in the spring. He obviously getting hurt, got hurt in fall camp. That team had a ton. Jerry Tiller was an early enrollee. You can see early on that he was he was the talk of spring. He was so overhyped during spring, there was almost like there was no way he could live up to expectations by the fall. Yeah. I mean, because he looked so good in the spring, you're like, there's no way he could carry this into the fall that way. And he did okay in the fall, but he he you know he he obviously wasn't going to be the way that people hyped him up to be. But you could see the talent on that 2015 team. I mean. Torian Folson had a great spring in 2015. You had you had Malik coming back, had a great spring, and you know you're just going to be loaded at running back. And and uh, that 2015 team was loaded. This team is comparable to that from a God given ability standpoint. But the difference is that 2015 team, Mike McGlinchey had started the previous year, uh, you know, and, and so you kind of knew like late in the year, you kind of knew what he could bring to the table. You know, you knew what Steve Elmer could bring to the table. So you, you know Nick Martin could bring to the table. Quentin Nelson was really the only new guy in that lineup that year. Ronnie Stanley, you knew what he brought to the table. So you, you, Durham's, you were going in that year. Durham Smythe, remember, was going to be the starting tight end. He had a you know he was a guy that showed a lot of potential the year before. He ended up getting hurt early next year. But and Ryan, that that 2015 team was loaded. But the difference is that team had a lot more proven playmakers compared to this team. Now, could this team match that to some degree? Yes, absolutely it can, but it's not there yet. It's not there on day three of spring practice. But athletically, it's the closest we've seen to that group, athletically, top to bottom. I I just love hearing that 2015 offensive line every time, Brian, because it's just like four of five were multi-year starters in the NFL, and you have at least, what, two pro bowlers in there? Mike McGlitch just signed a huge deal. Like, just – Ridiculous right. offensive line. In Steve Elmo would have played in the NFL if he if football was his passion. Sure, and I, I, no, I don't say that negatively at all. But I mean, he was a two year starter and left after his junior year to go work in Washington D.C. Yep. So I mean, 
Yeah, uh, it was a loaded group, dude. And and up front, you had a bunch of NFL players. You had Isaac Rochelle, Sheldon Day, yep. Jerry Tiller, uh, Jerry Tillery, Jerron Jones before he got hurt, Romeo Quara was. I mean, literally NFL players across the board, except that my linebacker. Kavari Russell at corner on that team. Cole Luke at corner on that team. Max Redfield, Elijah Matthias Farley started for a, was one of the best players for the Colts one year not not long ago. Was a full year starter and had almost 100 tackles and he couldn't even start on that 2015 Notre Dame defense. Yep, because Elijah Shumate and Max Redfield were just better. So uh, this tells you how, how loaded that team was. They just weren't coached well. This team is going to be coached better than that team at most positions. This team has a chance to be there, but they're just not there yet. And the biggest reason they have a chance to be there, Ryan, is quarterback. Yeah. This is the best quarterback room they've had since I'd say 2014. Right. It's even better than 2015 room, you know, because Wimbush was a freshman, Deshaun was a redshirt freshman, and then you had Malik who'd started one game. This year you have, you know, Everett, like yeah, the, the 2014 room is Everett, Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire. That was a loaded quarterback room. Yeah. Now you're looking at that. Plus, you have Steve Angeli's your number four, or you know your fourth best talent, in my opinion. So, I, uh, yeah, it, it's got a chance to be that Ryan. It's got Brian. It's it's got a chance to be like that team. It's got more talent top to bottom than the 2020 team for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know the difference is the 2020 team had just a lot more guys that we knew what they could do. This team sure. has a lot more question marks. But from a god, just a god-given ability, just talent standpoint, it's not close. Way more depth on this team, way more speed on this team, uh, way more. I'm just everything is better. You know, you're talking about that year. You had Ben Skaronsky and Javon McKinley and Avery Davis, and then Kevin Austin got hurt. Braden Lindsey was hurt. That, that was a pretty thin group without a lot of speed. And Javon yeah. McKinley was your deep threat who ran a four, five, seven at the combine. You know, this group you're talking about the talent they have. I mean, right now Lorenzo Styles is not running with the ones. Wild. That's yeah. all you need to say. Yeah. And and he's pl- having a good spring so far. So that that might change. But yeah, it's um they're 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 talent wise are loaded. Now, does that mean they're gonna go out and win a bunch of games? Remains to be seen. But just God given abilities, man, right now it's hard not to be fired up by this. Yeah. It, it really is hard not to be fired up. So, yeah. So let's get to the next question. I'm sitting there like waiting on you to bring up the next question, and that's my job. So, <laughs> whoopsie. <laughs> my bad, everybody. <laughs> From John A1, he said, what are some true slot routes that Chris Tyree can become proficient in before the season starts? Well, the big thing is all the screen stuff. Bubble screens, yeah. now screens, tunnel screens, uh, and then – the other one is going to be they do – I'd like to see them do this thing the other teams do. It, it looks like a crossing route, but the offensive line like really sinks their pass set to get the D-line downfield, and then you just replace them with him, and then the other receivers kind of go downfield. It's almost like a tunnel screen, but it, it doesn't look as much like a screen to the snap because he's actually running like what looks like a crossing route on that. I haven't seen Notre Dame do that a ton. Oklahoma State runs this play a ton. You know, Maybe they can incorporate that, but – the screen stuff, crossers, yeah. pitches, options, quick outs, all that quick game stuff needs to be a big part of his repertoire. The reason yeah. I say that is, is because the concern is a guy like Chris Tyree, if he's not comfortable catching a ball, he runs a little quick option route, isn't certain of the of the route, gets his head around slow. Next thing you know, it hits his 5'9 face 
and then falls up in the air and it gets tipped and for an interception, right? You, you, you need to be proficient with your route running. So that way you're attacking and getting back to the football, getting your eyes back to the football, getting your hands in, in proper catch position when the ball's coming, those type of things. Uh, so any of the quick game stuff has to be, he has to be proficient with because that's the stuff that gets dangerous. If you're not sure of what you're doing, all of a sudden, a, what you think is a simple hitch route isn't so simple. You know, yeah. we saw this last year. Why was Marshall able to bait the Notre Dame quarterback, Tyler Buckner, into mistakes? Twofold. One is they read Tyler. And number two is the receivers would come off the line, and it was very clear that they were about to run something quick. There was no selling the goal route. And just the simp- those simple mistakes, Jaden Thomas not stepping to the football on a hitch route in the boundary, is the difference between an incomplete pass and a pick six game over. Yeah. Right. It's that kind of stuff. Those can be big mistakes if you're not sharp with that stuff. And so that's the big thing for me. Overs like uh, which are just drags, overs, stuff like that, all are things. And then wide fades, which we've seen him actually catch those in college before. Those are the main things. Like I don't need to see Chris Tyree running seam routes because honestly, unless it's like a hot pass where you're, you think you can get him open. I, I don't like throwing to five foot nine slot receivers who aren't real receivers. You know, but I'll say this: Chris Tyree looks a lot better running routes than I thought he was going to look as a slot guy. He still doesn't catch the ball incredibly great down the field, but I just added a note to my practice report that I forgot that earlier about him. But he, the stuff that's ten and in, he caught the ball clean. He did. He caught the ball pretty clean, which was good to see. Yeah, I mean, I I think that one thing that I would harp on, and you already mentioned it, but for me, hitches and then a, a bunch of a bunch of things that give him kind of a two-way go. So you mentioned option routes, whip routes. Like the reason that you're putting Chris Tyree in the slot, Brian, is because you're trying to take advantage of mismatches, right? Like I want to get him one-on-one against a linebacker, against a slot defender occasionally, right? Guys that made that he is by far more explosive than, right? So I want to give him options as far as let's break it out, let's break it in. I mean, you think about like everyone talks about the play, the long play he had against Oklahoma State, right? That was an angle route. Like that was literally setting a guy up, sticking him, and then hitting it right to the inside on a quick break, right? So I want to give him the option to, hey, man, if that guy's just staying off of you, let's just hit the easy hitch, right? Get the ball in your hands, then make something happen after the catch. If not, and a guy's trying to press you a little bit or getting close to your face, Let's give him some option routes, man. Let's give him some whips. Let's give him a two-way go. When I say a two-way go, you hear slot cornerbacks talk this a lot because they it's hard to get help from both sides of you, right? So give him an opportunity to – the guy gives me a little bit of an outside leverage, I'm going to work inside. If he gives me a little bit of inside leverage, I'm going to work outside. Let Make the, the defender wrong. Give him options as far as where he can break out and then get the football in his hands and let him work, man. Create space. That's the best way to do it, in my opinion, some of those option routes. I got to bring up this question, Ryan, and I got to say I'm very offended that this Uh-oh. question is even being asked from Johnny S. here. I got to bring this up one. Go ahead and read this one, Ryan. Yeah, Johnny says, when do you, we see an Anchorman-type gang fight with IB, ISD, Blue and Gold, Irish Illustrated? Which one of you is Ron Burgundy? Why he asked the same part? question the other day. He the but here's the, the thing. Day. Why is that even being asked? We all know who Ron Burgundy is. I mean, why why is that being asked? Come on now. First of all, who's the guy that everybody hates the most? Uh, this guy, right? That's not true. That's and, not true. and who's the big guy? Who's the who's the big dog, right? So I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's got to be me, man. And I'm and and I'm also uh, upset that you're leaving all the TV people out of this, right? True. My guy Levon Whitaker, AB57 needs to be a part of this. Andrew Sanders needs to be part of this 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 bat if we're gonna if we're gonna do it right, you know. So uh, 
we got the Spanish guy that comes and covers practices sometimes dead serious. Why isn't he being mentioned here? You know what I'm saying? That that fits with the movie, right? They had Spanish uh, Spanish language TV. Thank you. So I'm just uh, I'm a little upset with you, Johnny. I'm a little upset that you even needed to ask who Ron Burgundy would be in that situation. Vince, um, you know, Vince in the chat said it wouldn't even be a fight. Yes, it wouldn't even be a battle. I have a lot of <laughs> leather bound books. You know, I smell like rich mahogany. I'm sorry, that's me, man. Come on now. So <laughs> I, I'm just upset that he would even ask that question. I just, uh, yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little hurt, Johnny. Sometimes, hurt. sometimes you need the easy answers, Brian. You need the easy answers. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Here we go. Let's get back on track. From Rob Osgood, thank you for the question, Rob. In your opinion, what should the offense scoring average be per game, and then for the big three games: Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. So you're at 31 last season, right, Brian? You're at yeah. 31 points per game last season. I mean, yeah. Over 35 for sure, right? Like that has to be like 36, 37, like somewhere in that ballpark, right-ish? It's got to be minimum 36, but again, it's got to be closer to 38 to 40 because if you're – because here's the key. It's the second part of the question that matters. That's really the one that matters here. And Notre Dame has had years where they scored 35, 36, 34 points per game, and then they get out in these big games and they couldn't score. Right. Right? And and that's – those are the things that kind of – will will haunt you is is when you're doing those things and to me ryan that's that's the big key is can you score in those big games and you you look at last year for example you know offense falls short against ohio state offense falls short against south carolina south you know usc i mean you know 2021 offense completely falters against cincinnati in the regular season 2020 you know, offense just completely sputters against Clemson and Alabama down the stretch. You know, again, same thing in 19. Notre Dame goes out there, has a school a school record for points and second highest points per game average, I think, in school history at 36.8. And, and uh, you know, but, but what do they do in the games that matter, Ryan? You know, they go out against uh, that year in 2019 against Georgia and they, they score 17 points, lose by six. They get the ball with about two minutes in the game in Georgia territory a touchdown wins the game and they couldn't even get like inside to 20 didn't threaten them at all. You score 14 points against Michigan. You know, it's been that mantra throughout Ryan, you get into the playoffs and and, you're scoring at that time. They were, you know, scoring pretty well under Ian book. Now that year was interesting because, you know, that season, Ryan, you know, your overall scoring average, like 31 point something, but the scoring average of Ian book as the quarterback was a lot different. Yeah, uh, because they only scored, you know, 24, 24 and 22 points that first stretch. I'm I'm trying to just give me a second. I'm, I'm adding it up here real quick, you know, but when Ian Book was a starting quarterback that year, see, they played uh, nine games, actually eight games. So I'll count the one with Brandon in there because the offense was really rolling. But in those nine games, they scored 37.2 points per game. But then they get to the cha- the playoff game and what happens? They can't score. This has been the MO throughout, you know, 2017 explosive offense, that stretch of football. Uh, I'm, he, he, look at this. So they, they played Boston college on uh, September 6th. And that started a stretch of seven games where they scored 49, 38, 52, 33, 49, 35 and 48 points in a, in a seven game stretch. And they beat, let's see, one, 
to two ranked three ranked opponents, two teams during that stretch Ryan, that finished in the top fifteen, is what Notre Dame did. And so during that during that seven game stretch, they averaged forty three point four points per game. But what happened in between that stretch? Nineteen points against Georgia, eight against Miami. Yep. That's what that's what the bookends of of that stretch. It's always been the thing is I don't care what they're if they score forty points a game this year, but go for seventeen against Ohio State and twenty against USC and lose those two games, or twenty against Clemson and lose those two games. If they score seventy on Tennessee State and fifty nine against Central Michigan and forty nine against Navy and and that type of thing, then I don't care if they averaged 38 points a game or 40 points a game because they didn't score it mattered. On the flip side, if you can score 28 to 31 points in those other games, you're going to have a shot to win those games. You are. And not every one, sometimes like USC last year, you needed 38, right? I mean, or you needed 39. But more often than not, Notre Dame hasn't needed that. Like even against Miami in 2017, they lost 41 to 8 and two pick sixes. Yes, I mean defense kept that game close for a while. I well, mean, wasn't after, it by it wasn't it by the same guy too? I know Trajan Bandy had one. Didn't he have two in that game? Been. It was crazy. He might have tipped the yeah. other one. Yeah, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, so it wasn't like the defense played terrible. You know no. what I mean? They fit, they folded late because they were just on the field for so long. But you know, if the offense steps up, then it takes a lot of that pressure off of the defense. That's the reality of it. Yep. You know, and you know that's where I want to get to. That's yeah, man. Where I get to. Ultimately, the next offensive play caller in this offense this year is going to be Judge Bryant. To your point about those pillar games, man, that's what matters, right? Like when you see the best, can you get the best out of your offense? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what you want to see, man. Like I, to your point, like if they score seventy nine against Tennessee State, like that's cool, but like right, and then score ten against show- Ohio State. Yeah. You know, like let's just say they score 63 points against Ohio against Tennessee State and they scored yeah. 10 against Ohio State. And they say, "Hey, they're averaging 36 and a half points per game. That's really good. Don't care. Don't care." Yeah. Don't care. That's it. You know, so it, it's the big games. Give me 27 to 31 in those big games and this team's going to be doing some. Because then you don't need to score 70 against Tennessee State. And that's really that's really what it boils down to for me, Ryan. Is I, I want to see more of that, to be completely honest with you. And yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a point here real quick. Uh-huh. Georgia this year in the um, let me see it here real quick. So Georgia this year made it to the college football playoff, and they scored. Let's see, 92 minus 65 equals divided by 12. They averaged 38.3 points per game this year. Mm-hmm. in the regular season. They actually averaged a lot more points in the postseason than they did in the regular season. They scored 50 in the SEC title game, 42 in the playoff, and 65 in the TCU for all the people to say it's defense that wins championships. Uh, Georgia gave up 71 points combined in the SEC title game in the first playoff game and still won. Uh, but the thing is, in, in that year, right, they, they scored 38.3, but they only scored 33 against Samford, right? They only scored 37 against Georgia Tech. They scored 16 against Kentucky. When they were at their best was usually against the teams that were ranked. Scored 49 against Oregon, 48 at South Carolina, 27 against Tennessee, and the defense played great, 45 at Mississippi State, 50 against LSU, 42 against Ohio State, and 
65 against TCU. They were the exact opposite. They played their worst in the crap games. Yeah. They played their best in the big games. That's what champions do. They don't beat up yes. on the, the cupcakes. They blow out the good teams. And if you go back and look at that 1988 season, some of Notre Dame's worst games were against like Rice, Purdue, like not very good teams because the, the, they're like, and, and I remember reading about reading Lou Holtz wrote about this in one of his books. He was like, it, it's hard to get those kids because those kids knew how good they were and they knew how bad Navy was, yep. you know? And so you, you'd see them in some of those games where it's like, they just weren't that good or they weren't that dominant. But then when they played a good team, man, they would turn on the jets. It wasn't Purdue. It was Michigan state. They blew Purdue out that year. Yeah, but like Pitt, they beat Pitt 30 to 20. If you go back and, and watch that game, it's like, because you know why? Pitt was six and five that year. They weren't that good. Mm. Do you know why? Because they're like, we know we're better than these guys. We got Miami coming up next. Right. So you just got to do enough to beat those games. And then you are bringing it when the best teams are there. That's what the best teams do, the champions do. And that's why Ohio State's not a champion the last two years, loaded with talent. But in the big games, Ohio State's offense sputtered the last two years. They sputtered against Notre Dame. Let's be honest about that. And they sputtered twice against Michigan. That's that's the reality of it. The only yep. problem is Notre Dame's offense sputtered even more. Yes. You know, so that's the reality of it. Yep. Those big games, man, that's the thing that needs to change most. We've talked about this. We've talked about it. That no, We know Notre Dame could beat some of those lower-level teams. I know it wasn't perfect this year in that regard, but at the end of the day, man, those pillar games are the ones that we're going to be talking about at the end of the season, Brian, going into the postseason, right? How'd you do against Ohio State? How'd you do against USC? How did you do against Clemson? Those are the games that matter most because those are the games that show if Notre Dame is getting close to that next level of football or if they're just going to stay a good program, good program, 10 wins a year, cool, but not a legitimate contender to win a national championship, not a legitimate yes. one. That's the difference. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Let's get to the next one here from uh, one of the OGs. Here we go. From Notre Dame 2164, it said Rocco Spindler was ranked number 60 overall and the number three offensive lineman in the class. And he did say in the next comment after that, Brian, that he just using the, the he was just using the ranking for just a baseline. So sure. don't get mad. No, I mean, look, it's about expectations, right? I mean, that's what sure. the expectations that were that Rocco is going to be a really good player. And I completely understand that. Yep. And, and, you know, yeah. And so to me, um, look, part of the deal is this. If he doesn't start this year, he's he'll be backing up other highly ranked guys. Billy Shroth was a top 100 guy. Uh, Andrew Kostoffic was a top 200 guy. And he's three years older than two years older than Rocco. That's going to be that's going to be part of it to me. And yeah. so. I want to see that like be discussed sometimes. Like a lot of times, well, this guy was ranked high and he, he, he didn't pan out. Well, who did he back up? Another guy that ranked pretty high, but the at the end of the day, his feet just got slow and really heavy. And until that changes, that's, that's the Rocco strong. He fights, he battles, he competes. He's just really slow footed. Yes. That's the problem. And the problem. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does this spring, Brian, because we talked about it yesterday, right? It's like 325 now. You gained another 10 pounds. I don't know if that's going to help you, sir, unless it's really good weight, unless you reshaped your body a little bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, man, recruiting rankings are a great baseline to work off of, a baseline understanding. But it matters what you do when you get into the program, obviously, right? So Mm -hmm. it's kind of where we are with Rocco. He's got a lot to prove. 
I hope he has a great spring. I hope he challenges. I really do. I hope he does. We had a question. So I said that I'm Ron Burgundy. Yes. Somebody in the chat asked this question. Who's Brick? Who's Brick? Uh, Vince. <laughs> Vince is probably Brick, yeah. Yeah, I was going to – yeah. Sorry, yeah. Vince. I know Vince is listening. He's going to be so <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> but I just had to. I had to. So I, I, was, I, I, was, I was thinking it also, but I wanted you yeah. to say it first so he didn't get mad at me. <laughs> right. Got another from John A1. John A1, John A1 says, is it just me or do the wide receivers look like they're running faster in these released – practice clips this is what i was talking about earlier brian like that this was john that said it and yeah it does john because i think again we talked about it one they're all very talented and athletic right like that's a baseline but two i think you are seeing a bit a better a, a, a more consistent and higher profile ability to develop these wide receivers yes. and make them confidence and when they play confidence People play fast. Even guys that aren't fast, if they're confident, though, they look a lot faster than they are on the football field. Luckily, Notre Dame has a lot of speed at wide receiver, a lot of talent at wide receiver, and they're starting to all play really confident, which yes. is a great sign to see. Yes. Great sign. I mean, at the end of the day, Vince – Vince, sorry, I'm still <laughs> laughing at Vince. Vince is like, careful when I start talking about that. And he goes, mean, just mean. Um <laughs> But uh, we need Vince. We're gonna have to have you lay low for a while because I think you might be wanted for murder. <laughs> the scene he stabs the guy in the heart with the trident. Uh, such a great movie. One of the few I don't like a lot of Will Ferrell's movies. To be honest yeah. with you, I think it's kind of they're all kind of the same. He's kind of dumb. It's, that one is really funny. The second one was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. I, I turned it off Anch- like half an hour into the movie. It was bad. I, I haven't seen Anchorman in like 10 years, man. I need to go yeah, watch it's, again, it's honestly. It's, it's a great movie. It's a great flick. It's a great flick. It really is. It really is. All right, let's get to some more questions here. We got one from Quinn Kibler. Quinn's question. Brian, can you break down Sam Hartman's throwing motion? It looks like he gets pretty tall and comes almost all the way over the top. Also notice he also almost gets all his toe, uh, tip of his toes. I don't think he gets on the tip of his toes all the time. I think there's some throws that he does that. I think part of that is just he had to develop that at wake because he's so many times he's thrown the ball right near the offensive lineman because of that slow mesh. He had to get high. He did that a lot on film at wake. He'd have to get high and kind of get it over the top. Uh, I like his over. He's got, uh, he, he brings it low and then he brings it over the top. It's almost like Vince said, it's like a baseball catcher, you know, like Steve's well, Steve throws like a baseball catcher. Uh, he's like a shortstop, you know, where he gets here and it's over here, almost like a pitcher. And uh, sorry, I was getting my references. Cause we were talking about how different it was, like how much Steve Spur would have hated Sam Hartman's throwing motion. Cause he he's here. And then he's, he brings, drops it down and, and yeah. he's over the top. Spurrier taught that, you know, here that from the ear, that whole thing, like a shortstop, but yeah. Can I break it down? It's fine. It works. I have no problem with it. You know, he's a guy that throws from the chest as a set of up here and he, he has a nice clean motion. It's very compact, uh, very quick and he's repeatable. That's really all I care about it. You know, it's a pr- pretty normal throwing motion that has nothing to do what you're talking about though. Uh, his pretty tall and the tip of his toes. None of that has to do with the throwing motion. That's body posture. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that was a little bit of a that was a little bit of a different uh different thing. But yeah, he he that was more wake forest than what I've seen from him here. I just 
you know, to me, I didn't notice that he was really up on his tippy toes uh, a whole lot, to be honest with you. All right, here we go. Next question is from Notre Dame 2164. I just want to say how excited I am for down the road a little bit ways to get, to have Jadarian Price and Jeremiah Love in the same backfield. The combination of Diggs, Estime, and Tyree is already elite. Yeah. And yeah. It, um, I mean, I don't know if I'd call it elite yet. They still got a little bit more to prove to be elite, but has the potential to be so. There's well, no that, doubt about that. And that future backfield is going to be completely different, right, Brian? Because it's like, yeah, all you know, Estime's physical downhill. Diggs can also be physical downhill. He's got a little He's more twitchiness. Pounds, yeah. yeah. Well, 215 plus pound running backs, obviously, they, they, they have the power profile to him. Jadarian Price is 203 and lightning in a bottle if he comes back mm-hmm. healthy. Jeremiah Love is going to be six foot and a half. 200, 200, 205 pounds probably when he gets here this fall, and he's going to be lightning in a bottle. Both those players are home run threats. They they are literally one of those guys that could take it to the house anytime they touch the football, which is exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. No doubt. No doubt. All right, here we go. Here's another one. From Rob Osgood. Guys, in previous shows you talked about making the o- offense better by having less formations. Please take a minute and describe, meaning more plays out of 11 personnel. Thank you. Yeah, um, making the O better by having less formations. I've never said that. Um, no, I've said the exact opposite. You talk about making the O better by having less formations. Um, no, I've never said that. What I've said is have less plays out of more. It's the exact opposite. I've said run a bunch of different looks, dump a bunch of different uh, alignments, personnel groupings, mix all that up, and then have fewer plays. So and, and, be really, and be really good about on those plays just yes. out of different looks. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it's it's the opposite, Rob, um, uh, uh, with that. So I, I what I said was is I'd have less scheme, less volume of scheme in that regard. And if I said that once and you heard that way, it would it was a misspeak if I did say that because I'm not saying you didn't hear me say that. I'm just saying that's that's not what I've ever said in regard to. Uh, the overall point and if i did say it that way once it was a it was a misspoke so um apologies for that but yeah it's definitely that's uh definitely in my opinion n- the opposite of what i would say at this point it's uh, and I've, i i was this way as a coach too ryan and that's part of why yeah. i believe it now is less plays more volume of how you get to those plays right and and that's what you do like and i've explained different ways we would do that you know, get real creative with your personnel. It's like when yeah. we talked about spending the other day where we would put our tight, our running back at tight end, we ran four verts. I mean, it's not a new play. We just got to it and they're not used to that tight end alignment running a vertical. So we put our really fast, you know, 5'11", 215 pound running back there and just have them run right up the field and do that where we would go 21 personnel and, you know, put our running back in the slot, put a receiver at running back and shotgun, motion him out. And you know, we ran the same, we ran double posts with a go field side we run that all the time we, we'd practice that a million times it's just who's running those particular routes you know and right. and so uh, that's where i like to be and to me that's where yeah. i am especially in college in college i want i want kids to be good at a certain amount of things and not overload it too much but i think that people kind of i think they confuse this a little bit brian and like if you're running the same play out of a different look it's still consistent with the values that the running back is like, if a running back is really good at inside zone and 
you know, let's say inside a zone encounter, for instance, right? I can run those things out of multiple formations. It's still the same place. So you still have the same baseline. It's just defensively now your pro- their process has to speed up a little bit because they're like, okay, usually I see out of 11 personnel, they're running this type of play. All of a sudden they hear they come out in 21 personnel. They're technically running the same run play, but now my eyes have kind of been altered a little bit because you have something completely different in front of me. So it's about maximizing the, the a smaller portion of plays in more looks to kind of keep the defense off balance, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I you know, we, we talk a lot about run. I don't understand where people get certain opinions from. Here, here's one from Brent Smith. Diggs needs perfect blocking to be effective. Price and love will pass him up. I, I just don't understand where people come up with some of these things. And Brent's a good poster. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sorry, go watch him against Clemson. He doesn't need perfect blocking. First of all, every running back, not named Barry Sanders or Walter Payton, needs good blocking to be effective. Yeah. It's a thousand percent a fact for everybody. Audric Estime, go look at all of Audric Estime's big runs this year. He's more often than not, not getting touched till he's six or seven yards down the field. Half the time against Clemson, you couldn't tell who was in the game. It was Audric or Logan Diggs. I don't understand where some of this stuff comes from. I really don't. I don't think that's accurate of Logan Diggs at all. I really don't. Logan Diggs is a good football player. So is Aldrich Estime. It's that whole thing again. You know, it's like just – he's a good football player. He's different than Aldrich. Aldrich's different from him. Chris Tyree's different from him. And Jadarian's different from him. You know, they're different players. But Logan Diggs didn't do what he did last year because blocking was perfect every time he got the ball. When when Aldrich was fumbling the ball away against UNLV and they had to ride Logan the rest of the game, that wasn't because of perfect blocking. He was making great plays. He made a great read on that touchdown run. The blocking was good, but he made a great read on it and cut back on it. So, uh, you know, Logan's good football. They're loaded at running back. Absolutely yes. loaded at running back. They There's are. no doubt about it. Let's get to some more. But, but it's still only as good as your offensive line is up front. To your Always. Right? That's true. Yes. for every, Again, there's two running backs that I've seen in my life where that wasn't true of, and that's Barry Sanders and Walter Payton. Because Walter Payton would rush for a bunch of yards with bad offensive lines because he just bounced off dudes. Perry Sanders just had the sickest cutting ability on the planet. Yeah. But everybody else is uh, – Terrell Davis will tell you, why are you in the Hall of Fame? And great, great offensive lines. Great run scheme. Right? I mean, yeah, he was talented. He <laughs> put some bum back there and he makes the Hall of Fame. But it's completely dependent upon your blocking. That's true for – that's true for Audrick Estime. Yeah. You know, so – um I just, yeah, I don't, I don't get that sometimes. I really don't. It, it's we've seen, always... we've, we've seen a lot of good running backs get wasted in the NFL with behind some bad offensive lines yeah. too. Because I mean, they it, just, it, they can't do it all themselves. Just can't why did Audric Estime have nine carries for twenty? Well, first two games of the year, Audric against Marshall Ohio State, Audric Estime had fifty-four carries on nineteen or fifty-four yards on nineteen carries. He had seventy-six yards on eighteen carries for four point two against Cal. Those are the times of the year when guess what? The offensive line wasn't very good. Picked up against Carolina, and then he's seven, eight, nine, six, nine, seven, one, five, seven, six, two, five, eight, all that type of stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, that is what it is. He's good back, and I appreciate you, Brent. I just happen to disagree with you on this particular topic. I'm going to ask you this one, Ryan, because it's yep. kind of more your up your alley and I'm curious what you thought. Rob Osgood also asked what is Sam Hartman's NFL comp? Man, that's so tough. 
What is Sam Hartman's NFL comp? So body body type and throwing motion for me is very yeah. Drew Brees esque. You know, height wise yeah. and the type of uh, throwing motion and yeah. su- and height is that's all I compared him to. Sure. It's very because Drew had a very high release as well. Like yep. he had that same dip over top release, so very similar to that. And then height wise, very similar to that. I guess my question to Rob would be: Are you asking me for a stylistic comp? Or are you asking me for a a what I think he will end up type like a a, a level of player both. that he'll end up being? Do both. Do both. Okay. Man, it's so tough, man. I, I don't I really do, have a I great do body one for this. Type of throwing motion. Yeah. You know, so so to me, I think I think honestly, a guy that I think he's similar to style of play wise, Ryan, is a guy that's already in the NFL and is going to start for the Commanders this year. Sam Howell, Mike, Short Mike, guy, really Mike good start. downfield passer. You know, um, sometimes can be a little inaccurate on some of the shorter stuff. Yeah, great deep ball. I think Sam Hartman became a better run, was a better runner out of necessity, a little better, stronger athlete. But I'd say Sam Hartman's probably, or Sam uh, Howell's probably the closest comp that I I could have. That's not bad. There's not a lot. There's not a current NFL. There's not. I don't know if there's anybody else that I would say is similar. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's it's kind of like the new style of RPO heavy quarterback that's kind of yeah. coming into the NFL. You know, like it's where size or height isn't necessarily the biggest conversation piece. It's more about just kind of the Quick release, getting the ball out accurately, throwing the ball deep downfield a little bit occasionally. Like, yeah, so I guess Sam Howell would be an interesting one. I really don't have a great one for that, though, Rob. That's, that's yeah. a really good question. I think career wise, he reminds me a lot. I could see him a lot like, um, I don't say, I don't say Chase Daniel because I think he could do more in the NFL than Chase Daniel. I think he has a better arm than Chase, downfield arm than Chase Daniel. I'm trying maybe, to think maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think that's a good one. Yeah. You know, where he'll start for you and do some things and put up some stats, but you're just always wanting to find that next better guy. Yeah. It's because he doesn't like, have like, the ideal traits. Yeah, like I ideally a high-end, high-end number two quarterback that can start if he needs to type of yeah. situation, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. Let's get to – there's some good – that was a good question. I, I'm, I was, was curious to get your opinion on that one. It was, it was very thought-provoking, Rob. It was yeah. a really good question. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the uh, last one from Rob, I believe. Here we go. He said, hypothetical question. If the passing game opens up like it should, will the running game have more yards as well due to the being forced to cover the whole field? I'd say that the r- yards per carry average will go up, yeah. Rob. Absolutely. I, I do think their overall rushing numbers will improve from where they ended last year, which is 189.1. But that 189.1 was because they were really bad in the first three games. 
And so if you if like for example, Ryan, if you look at last year's first three games, Notre Dame in the first three games only averaged 117.7 rushing yards per game. Yeah. Right? Like that that's not that's obviously not that's not good. Right. Not ideal. Not ideal. But, yeah, yeah, it's not ideal. But if you take out uh, those first three games and you just look at the last 10, they were at 210.5. I think I could see them close to that type of success like they were after that rough start. But as you said, I think 210 to 220 is where I think I can see this offense being at the end of the year. But it, it'll be on fewer carries, to your point. It'll yeah. be, you know, last year, I think they were like 4-8. Or were they like 4-8 last year? 4-6 last year. You know, that's not that's not a great yards per and part of that is because they had to grind because no you know nobody respected their their pass game at all. I, I really I, truly feel that they're going to be closer to five four five five this year, which puts them in the top ten in the country in yards per attempt. That's that's where I see them, Brian. I, I think I think it definitely happened. I would love to know, Brian. I'm sure that Pro Football Focus probably has the statistic, but I would love to know. How many eight and nine man boxes Notre Dame ran into last oh, year? Oh yeah, like, I would but, love to yes. know that stat. I would really love to yes. know that. Yes, I mean, and their their yards per attempt took a half yard jump from where it was the year before, four point one. You know, yeah. but even the year they went to the playoff in twenty twenty, they were five point oh two. They were four point four in twenty eighteen. They had to grind out yards, and then you look at twenty seventeen, and they were six point three. You know, and then in two thousand fifteen, they were five point six. I mean, they were much. Even the 2012 offense was, which was not an explosive offense, was four nine. You know, so I mean, th- those 15 and 17 run games were just really explosive and dynamic. And I think a big part of that was they had perimeter threats both years. And 15, it was the perimeter threat of the pass. Yeah, right. And Deshaun could keep the ball and run. That helped as well. You had a quarterback that can make plays with his legs. That helped. But you also had the perimeter. You had to, if you loaded the box against Notre Dame 2015, you were basically just conceding a touchdown to Will Fuller. I mean, that, this is you're right. I mean, that's kind of pretty much what it was. And the teams that thought that, hey, we have a Dory Jackson, we can we can run with Will Fuller, realized no, you can't. And it took <laughs> one whole play to figure that out, an 80 yard touchdown. The point being is you had something to scare teams away from your run game. 2017, they weren't a great passing team, but they were teams were scared to death of Brandon Wimbush getting on the perimeter and they were scared to death of Brandon Wimbush throwing the ball over their head. That's what mm-hmm. teams were afraid of. So you had something, even though it wasn't a pretty passing attack, you had something that scared you with your quarterback position. Sure. Last year, once Tyler went down and even really early on, cause Ohio state and Marshall, were like we're going to make Tyler Buckner beat us and he couldn't right. South Carolina tried that and he could, but you look at you look at it this the whole year last year there was no threat of to the to the to defenses outside the run game. No, teams were daring Notre Dame to throw the football. Navy was getting thrown on. They still didn't change what they were doing. They still didn't try to stop the run. Or to, to, they said we're still not going to let you run the football. You can try and pass us because we don't think when push comes to shove, Drew Pine can play this way for sixty minutes. And guess what? He couldn't. Yeah. I mean, teams would dare Notre Dame to throw the football last year, and they wouldn't. And a couple times they did. He had some. He had a couple nice games, but overall, just he would miss easy reads, easy throws. You know, I, somebody sent me an article the other day of somebody saying, "Well, you know, Drew Pine can't throw the ball to himself. 
I don't ask him to. I'm just asking him to throw to the freaking wide open receivers that we saw every game in the last two months of the season. Uh, you know, how like, many how, how many balls were in the dirt last year on just like slide routes, Brian? Yes. We were just like guys, yes. <laughs> guys. <It's> like <laughs> anyone that has that opinion, just I don't know what they were watching. Like, were you? Yeah. Did you actually not watch Notre Dame last year? Did you only watch them on TV? Because I see Braden and Lindsey getting open for touchdowns almost every game. Yeah. Right. It, it, I don't. Hey, you can't throw it to himself. Hey, I'm not asking you to throw it to yourself. I'm just asking you to hit the wide open guy. That's it. Yep. That's it. Everything was so everything was just so much harder than it had to be in the passing game last year, too, Brian. Like even think about was it what was it Navy or Syracuse where Braden toasted that defensive back and he had to come back and make that silly catch? Was that Navy? I, I can't remember. Yes. It yes, was Navy. Navy. Yeah. I mean, he he I mean that that should have been a walk-in touchdown. And even that play, you're just like, you made that so much harder than it had to be, man. And then Braden had to end up making a just a stupid, ridiculous catch coming back to the football. Everything passing game wise was just so hard last year, man. Like it was just way too difficult. You have mm-hmm. to make the easy things easy. You have to keep it easy. It just wasn't easy last year at all. Yep. Agree. Agree. Here we go from Andre Tonsil. Question is every position should be open for competition. The best player should play. What do you think? I think the second part's true, but the first part's not always realistically true. I mean, the reality is, is you can say all you want, the left tackle job is open, but it's not. I mean, Joe Walt's an All-American, and, you know, like, the only time it should be open is if Joe Walt, like, spent the whole offseason, like, drinking and hanging out at the beach and not working out, and then he comes in at 350 pounds and he can't move, get in a stance. Okay, sure, it's an open competition. But we all know that's not what happened with Joe Walt. That's why he was an All-American last year, because he is putting yeah. in the work. So in those rare cases, I mean, we can tell we want, but the tackles are not. That's not an open job. No. That doesn't mean that 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 you. Here's the thing: you 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 find those things, and you have to be realistic because kids aren't stupid. Yes, and you can sit Joe Walt down and say, Joe, listen, I, you know, if, if Joe Rudolph could sit Joe Walt down and say, listen, I'm a first year coach, and I don't care what you did last year. Every job is open. You could do that, and that's silly. It's a waste of your time because everybody knows. We say, hey, Joe, look, man, you're a great player, but here's what I'm gonna do: I'm gonna push you every single day to make you even better. Yeah. But I'm also going to challenge you to do something else. You may be gone in a year or two. What legacy are you leaving behind you? I need you to help me with those young kids. If I'm over here coaching somebody else and you watch a rep and you see a meal do something or you see somebody do something, I, I need you to show some leadership. Those are the ways you challenge kids like that. Right. Find something else for them to focus on besides like competing for a job because we all know he's, he's going to start. We all know Blake Fisher's going to. And I would do the same thing with Blake Fisher. Right, that I did with Joe Walt. It's like, hey, I could sit here and tell you that I'm going to make your job open for someone to battle, but we're wasting time. We're not children here. Here's the deal, though. I expect greatness from you, and I'm going to ride you every single day until I get greatness from you. That's the challenge, not, hey, it's open competition. Most other positions, it's, yeah, sure, it's an open competition. Yeah, in a lot of places, but. You have to be careful with that too, because it's really not like when Jalen going in 2015 was Jalen Smith actually in open competition. No, it, so so what do you do to challenge him to get the most out of him? Because there is a level of if guys just know it's their job and there's no challenge and they can just go out and practice and half butt it and not focus and have bad practices and then just okay, well he's an All American, whatever. Then your team's gonna stink. Yeah, right. There needs to be some level of challenge, and it's it, a lot of coaches have this like if I'm hard on my best guy then everybody knows you better bring it today. Because if I'm ripping Joe Walton practice today, or I'm getting on Blake Fisher today, or if I'm Mike Mickens and I'm all over Benjamin Morrison in practice today, you know, I'm ripping J.D. Bertrand's butt up and down the field today for the way he practiced today. 
you know, I, I'm all over Audric for what he brought to the table today. Man, he's ripping the dudes, right? Like, no, I know I got to bring it. Nobody right? saved. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big thing that I heard from a lot of people during Charlie Weiss's era is like, Golden would just kind of act a certain way and Charlie would just let it go. And if somebody else acted that way, oh, it's got to be the opposite. You got to yeah. hold your studs to the highest standard. And the great ones don't need you to do that. They do it to themselves. That's what made Quentin Nelson such a great player and a great leader yep. is he was he was going to bring it every day. I, I've said this before. I remember talking to Alex Bars, and he was like, you knew every day. It could be a Tuesday in the middle of getting ready for whatever bum team. He didn't say bum team. That's my t- play on what he said. And you just knew you had to bring it that day because you knew Quentin was. And if you didn't bring it, Quentin was going to let you know about it. Yeah. That's what greatness is. It wasn't, hey, Quentin, your job's open for co- – no. So, But to your point, Andre, a lot of positions should be open in the, in the, from the standpoint of not that it's – hey, it's, it's an open competition again, but it's, hey, you may be the starter, but that's only as long as you're still the best guy at that position. Right. And it's not because you were the starter last year. It's not, a, it's not seniority. It's a meritocracy, in my opinion. It's based on what you've done and what you're doing. And what you've earned. And to me, that means sometimes starters get beat out. Flat out. Linebacker should be an open competition. No question. Uh, Safety should be a competition to a degree. Uh, The guard positions are open. The receiver positions are open. The running back position is even open to a degree, in my opinion. It'd be even more open if Jadarian Price was healthy. But in some of those, it's like, do I really need to have that conversation with Benjamin Morrison about it being open or Cam Hart, they know it's not open. Like, right. did I need to have that conversation with Michael Mayer last year? No. So what did Jared Parker do? He didn't say, Hey man, if you don't do, if you don't work hard, you know, I may start Kevin Bauman over you. Really? Okay. Coach. Like, you know, I'm Michael <laughs> Mayer, right? No, it was, it was this, it's nothing you're doing is good enough. Right. I need better. And and remember that practice last spring when Mayer talked about that. He's like, man, he's like, you know, it was like when he was hired, he's like, we're watching film and then he's just nitpicking and picking. And I, he's like, Michael's like, man, coach, I thought I had a pretty good year last year. You know, it's like, but that's kind of how it was. And it, what did it do, Ryan? It made him a much better player. Because everything's you, about competition. You've done. Right. Because even that's competition, Brian. That's Michael right. Mayer versus Michael Mayer, right? Like that's still exactly. a competition, man. You got to play against yourself, you know? Like exactly. it's 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 testing. Or it's you versus the standard. That's right. The exactly. It's testing your limitations as a player too. Because Michael Mayer could have easily just like settled on his merits and been like, I'm an All-American, man. Like I already have my place in Notre Dame history. Nah, man. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. You still have more that you can get to. So even that's a competition. It might not be yeah. a competition of one person versus the other, but it's a competition against yourself and against your limits at the end of the day. So everything should be a competition in that regard. I agree yes. 100%. Yes. And so you got to find what does he really need to compete about against to make him – some guys need to be pushed for their job. Some guys get really complacent. I'm the starter. I think yeah. of the movie program. Some people say one of the best scenes was when Latimer gets started and he goes out and he's like bangs his head through it. And I'm like, that was a terrible scene for me. It's like that guy had reached his goal. His goal was simply to start. Yep. I don't care about that. Like starting is like, yeah, okay, now what are you going to do? You know, like, and and to me, that's sort of the difference between the great ones and the others. Some guys are like, okay, I'm, I'm here now. Now it's time to really go to work. Now it's time for me to really show something. And as long as you have a guy like that, it's not an open competition. 
It's really not. So what do you do, Ryan, to find ways to motivate that guy to be better? As a yeah. freshman All-American last year, I don't care. Freshman, you weren't a, you weren't another normal All-American. You're a freshman All-American. Most freshman corners don't play that much, so you won by default. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but you know, just find the things to motivate those guys and get them to strive for greatness. And that's yeah. what you do. And the great ones don't really need that much of a push, to be honest with you. Yep. It's just finding that. But what kind of message did Derek Parker send to Michael Mayer? Hey, man. It, yeah, you were good, but you can be better. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm here to coach you. I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm here to tell you how great you are. I'm here to make you the best you can be. That's and my I, job. And I also love that about Jared Parker, too, Brian, because it, yeah. it'd be kind of easy for a tight end coach to go in last year and been like, I got Michael Mayer, man. I could coast here a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. have to really push that much. But I mean, I think that that's, again, that's where that competition comes from both sides, man. Jared Parker dared him to be better than he was. Yeah. And Michael Mayer took the, took the opportunity and ran with it. Yes, absolutely. And he did. And he, and he yeah. took that coaching. And that's really the big key, Ryan. That's the big key for me. No doubt. I mean, by the way, Andre, this is a great point. I think your question was good. It's just, I think that it it sparked a lot of conversation, and I think those kind of things are really good. It's just be clear about what competition should be, in my yep. opinion. Agree. From Tyler Smith, he says, "Is it wrong that I'm going to miss my friend's wedding for the Notre Dame Ohio versus Ohio State game?" I told him he was rude and scared Ohio State was going to have problems. So, is he an Ohio State fan? Then, yeah, I mean, yeah, you shouldn't be. I mean, look. I probably would have done the same thing when I was younger. I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, if you're my friend and we're that close, then you, you why would you schedule a wedding and a weekend in the fall anyway? You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. You're being, you're being selfish. I'm kidding, obviously, with the being selfish thing. But, yeah, it's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. I, I got I got tickets in their name game. Oh, you going to the game? No, I got tickets in my couch, and I'm going to be sitting there eating nachos and, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, no, I, I get it. I guess it depends on how close a friend you are. Yeah. You know, if, if he's like, like, the, be- if he's yeah, like the best man or something. Yeah, if, I, if I'm sitting in the audience with a bunch of other people, sorry, bro. I hope it was great. I'll catch the DVD. You can you stream know? it. But you if, can stream it nowadays. If I'm in the wedding party, you know what I would have done, Ryan, especially nowadays? I'm up there up front. And I got my phone in my hand, and I'm watching yes. the game during the wedding. I just have to make sure the sound is off. Because once you walk up there, I mean, they don't need you to talk or do anything. You don't got to really pay attention. Yeah. You know, you just want to get it out there. Yeah, wrong. Once so. you see one wedding, you've seen them all, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, like you said, like you said, if he, was, if he was if he was a great friend too, he would just stream the wedding so that everybody right. could see it if they can't get right. out there anyway. So right. Yeah. Yeah. Or he wouldn't have scheduled it the weekend learning plays Ohio State. It's <laughs> very true. What's happening during the Tennessee State game? Come on, man. Yeah, right. Maybe. Okay, Navy. All right, cool. I can't be at that when it's in Ireland. Okay, no big deal. But uh, Ohio State game? Come on, man. Come on, man. All right, here's another one from Quinn Kelly. From Quinn Kelly. Right now with our our comments about weddings. (laughs) If one of our friends would have said that to us, we'd have been so mad. Seriously. So mad. But that's why. But I got married in April, Ryan. I wasn't, you know, I didn't get married in the fall. I got married in June. So, yeah. So, even we better. Were, yeah, even man. Better. Yeah. yeah. 
Quinn Kelly's question. Can you explain different linebacker terminology and some players who would fit each one? Example, Will for Nolan Siegler. Yeah, I mean, so the three Notre Dame positions, Quinn, are Mike Linebacker, Will Linebacker, and then they have a Rover. Okay, so Mike Linebacker, middle linebacker, right? He's the middle of the defense. In a 4-2-5, he's the strong side inside linebacker to the strong side of the play. Okay, so some characteristics that you're talking about that type of player – they're usually more of a downhill player, a little bit more physical. They have to sort through traffic well. They have to be, they have to play with a little bit more of a pop in the lower half at the point of attack. They got to play with good ability to stack and then disengage. Will linebackers are on the weak side inside linebacker in a 4-2-5 alignment, the weak side of the play. Those guys, you'll hear me talk about pursuits a lot for those players. They usually have to deal with a little bit more space on the backside of a play. They usually don't have to fight through as much contact as Mike linebackers still have the ability to get downhill, but more than anything, they need to be a little bit twitchier of athletes usually kind of cover a little bit more ground. And they also have to be a little better in pass coverage than traditionally what a Mike linebacker is going to be, because they're going to be, you know, backside seams, backside overs, a bunch of different stuff. They really have to find their landmarks effectively. The Rover in a four, two, five, what, so if it was a 4-3 alignment, because Notre Dame plays a lot of 4-3 personnel out of their 4-2-5 look, the Rover is just what what traditionally would be a Sam linebacker. Just what's happening now with this Rover position playing in space is it's becoming more of a hybrid position. So it's not your traditional Sam line. I mean, Sam linebackers back in the day used to be long, like 6-3, decent length, 250-plus pounds, because typically those guys would play on the strong side of the play, but then they would also play on the line of scrimmage a little bit and some under-over fronts. Not as much what you see in today's game. So 425 Rover is a guy that has some characteristics of a linebacker, also have characteristics of a safety. So a guy that can play in space a little bit better, but also a guy that can come up and still be able to play on the front side of runs, still be physical, and still be able to be a little bit of that force player. But it's just kind of the evolution of the game that that 425 has turned the Sam linebacker into more, a little bit more of a space player as the Rover position. Ryan, there's a great response from Father David, who's one of uh, our one of our OGs as well. But uh, he's a priest, and uh, he had this response to the marriage thing: "I perform the weddings, and I wouldn't go. You want me to marry you? No chance. You schedule it during a Notre Dame game." <laughs> That's such a great response. I love that guy. I love that guy. Oh my goodness gracious! That That's was so that was funny. Great. So that funny. was absolutely great. Great, great, great response. Great response. All right, let's get let's get to some more here. Next question is from Sean Higgins, who says, what's the latest on Tyson Ford? Feel like no one's talking about him, making an impact this year. Is he behind where you thought he'd be coming out of high school? Uh, a little bit, yeah, if I'm being honest, a little bit. I, I think so. Um, I think Tyler's had a tough time adjusting to – just like I said, he's we talked about this a little bit the other day. He was so much bigger and more talented than everybody played against that I don't think he really understands what it takes to really get the most out of himself. And he's got to learn that. And then it's up to the coaches to push him to get that out of him. So as far as this year, it's like we've seen two practices and we've seen him going through drills. He looked okay today. I mean, he's big. He's he's definitely an interior guy now. Like and he I don't know if all the weight's necessarily good weight. I think he's still reshaping his body a little bit but yeah he's got a he's got a lot to learn still 
He's got a lot to learn, so I'm hoping the light goes on for him. And and honestly, it's not just about him. It can't always be on the 18, 19-year-old. The coaches need to be part of that process too. Oh. And I just say, hey, man, if you don't step up, you're out of here. Like That's not motivation. That's just laziness. Yeah. It's about, hey, man, I need you to be great, and you can be great. So I'm going to ride you every single day until you get there. And if a kid doesn't want that, then he's not a champion, and you move on. If a kid embraces that, then you got yourself a dude. You're, and, and now whether the light goes on this year or next year, you're going to have yourself a player. And I don't know what guy Tyler is because he's still young. And we'll find that out over these next couple years, assuming that that message is delivered. Because what, what we see it sadly a lot now in today's era of transfer portal and younger guys playing, a lot of coaches give up on guys. They Some coaches yeah. treat it like the NFL. In the NFL, it's not my job to coach you up like I did, like you do in college. You got to have a basic level of understanding of what you're doing here. Yep. And then I'm going to teach you the scheme and all that kind of stuff. And so that's how the NFL is. College cannot be that way. If you're that way as a college coach, find a different, something different to do with your life. It, you've got to be someone that says, Hey, if this kid is, co- as long as this kid is coachable, I'm going to work with him. And that's something I think Mike Elson did a great job of. It's something I think Mike Mickens does a great, great job of. It's something that the, the Harry, he did a great job with. The best coaches can do that. Can Al Washington be that guy? We'll find out. But I hope he's not one of those guys that just writes guys off if they're not if they can't help him right now. And and that's just that's not where you need to be. Coach yeah. him up. If he's got talent and he's got something to work with, it's your job to push him. And then if he doesn't want to be coached, that's when you say, "Hey, man, you know, I tried pushing you and you pouted and did." I'm this is I'm not speaking about Tyson anymore. I'm just speaking in general. I was, I demanded a lot of you. I pushed you and you just, you got mad every time and pouted and you know, you don't want to be coached. So I'm moving on to somebody that does. And that's when I'm okay. Moving on from a guy. If a guy doesn't want to be coached, doesn't want to be better then you're wasting your time. Go find something else to do. But I, and I don't know which, I don't know what Tyson is at that point in time. So I, I hope he takes a step forward, man, because it's hard to teach some of the tools that he has at near six foot four, 292 pounds now, right? Like he's a gifted talent on the defensive line. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, it only matters what you put on film every day, right? So got to see as he matures. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.